friend of the pod. Peter Laurie almost set me back two years in a one fifteen minute lesson. That's all I want to say about that. He, he doesn't take advice very well, Gary. P- Peter couldn't teach a dog how to bark. <laughs> I can vouch for that. OTB Sports Golf Weekly with Now TV live every Thursday afternoon on OTB Sports Radio. Tune in twenty four seven on the OTB Sports app. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. They often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof it the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and you know you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochford has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. Welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us five three one zero six is the number. We're streaming this live as well now. You can watch us on the Off the Ball social channels for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball on YouTube and on Facebook. We're also streaming on the OTB Sports app. Search OTB Sports in your app store to download it if you haven't already. This is the Saturday panel. Shamrock Rovers were founded in Ringsend in Dublin at the turn of the 20th century. This Hoops have won 18 league titles, 25 FAI Cups. For so many years, their home was at Glenmorelor Park in Milltown, now Tallis Stadium, of course. Bohemians will always be associated with Dalyman Park. The club, founded in 1890, has won 11 League of Ireland crowns and been uh, crowned FAI Cup winners on seven occasions. For many years, the two clubs have been intense rivals. They occupied the top two spots in the League of Ireland Premier Division just last year. Now, there are many clubs that will profess to be a bigger rival. St. Pat's, Shelburne come to mind, but this panel in no way intended to omit them. But we would like to give you a flavour, listeners, over the next hour of a great derby match. To do that, we're joined by Tony Cousins, who played for both Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians and who's the current under-17 coach in Tala. Derek Pender, who also played for both clubs and their former double-winning captain with Bohemians, Owen Heary. Tony, Owen and Derek, how are you all getting on? Good, John. Not too bad, thanks very much. Good, thanks. Good stuff. 106 years ago, uh, the first meeting between Shamrock Rovers and Bowes. FAI Cup final meetings in 1929 and 1945. We got a stat in from Carl Riley. Now, this is from a Shamrock Rovers angle, so Bohemians uh, fans don't go too mad. Apparently, the clubs met 393 times. Rovers have won on 190 occasions. Bohemians, 107 wins to their name, 96 draws. But we'll just start with you guys with the beginnings. You all grew up in the kind of what I would describe as the golden circle of Dublin football uh, around the suburbs and the inner city. For you, Tony, you uh, started playing uh, in the Liberties. Were you a street footballer? Yeah, uh, definitely at that time, uh, it's where you played all your ball. And um, probably my father was a huge influence in me getting interested in, in football. And uh, I think that's every kid at my age at that time. Uh, there was nowhere else really to play than out on the road. And that's where you got your enjoyment. I know when you grew up in Cabra. Yeah, totally the same as what Tony said there. Uh, you'd play local football like in the estates where you play one road against the next road. Uh, you'd you know you'd have pats, you'd play lampposts, everything. But everything was about street football back then, and you don't see it as much now at the moment. And Derek, you went to Belvedere and you uh, knew Wes Hoolahan back then. Yeah, me and Wesel, um, Wesel just lifted up the road from us. Uh, we grew up in the inner city as well, and like that, what the lad says, it was street football all the way back then. 
The first um, experience you had, uh, Tony, uh, for a Dublin derby, uh, it's, it's a strange one because you started off uh, when you came back from England uh, playing for Bohemians and then you went to Shamrock Rovers. Was there any kind of hassle in the fact that you moved between such great rivals? Um, obviously, you get uh, the supporters. Obviously, the first game you play against the team that you've moved from, you're in for a bit of stick. Uh, I think the lads would uh, know from those games um, they mean so much to the supporters and you know I think leading into the games as well like immediately the start of the week you know it's different it's a derby game and for both teams even if you're not on a good run if the team hasn't been on a good run that game can change everything it can give you momentum and it can get the fans back on board and you know, it, it, it is a massive uh, game and occasion for the players that are involved. Uh, do you remember, Tony, your first derby match between Bowes and, and Rovers? Yeah, um, it was 2003, or uh, sorry, 1993. And uh, yeah, as far as I know, it was a one-all draw. But... Uh, it's it's it was easier for the lads to go back than me when I was asked to do this. <laughs> uh, I, I thought you were going to ask me the question about the Force Bowes Rovers game, nineteen twenty six. But um, now um, I think you know every game you play in is such a big occasion, and it doesn't it doesn't matter whether it's a, a normal league game, semi final, or whatever. It's um, and even you know when you retire, you know when I retired, you accept that you have to retire, and uh, and I never really felt um, that I that I missed it because I went into coaching and that, but I did miss it when I went to the Bowes Rovers games. It was the one game that I sat in the stand and you were envious. Of, of the players down the tunnel because you knew that feeling before you come out onto the pitch. Um, and I still, to this day, I still love those games. And, and you know, you really feel up for the players when they're walking out um, uh, for those matches. And Owen, you won five titles with Shelburne before you went to Bohemians. Did you realise immediately when you started playing Shamrock Rovers, oh, there's an extra edge to this? Yeah, totally. You know, but I grew up a Bowes fan, so I sort of knew what it meant to supporters throughout the years. I mean, I've been following Bowes since I was a kid, being from Cabra. Uh, I used to go down when probably Tony was playing. And, you know, in Daily Mounts, when it was totally different, where you, the stand was about six foot drop on one side of it. And, you know, you'd, you'd have my dad lifting me up on the shoulders, looking at the, the pitch and the players' legs would be at, about my eye level. But um, over the years, yeah, you, you'd always know the rivalry. You'd see it, you know, if Bowes won, the fans around my area, you'd be talking about it all week, all weekend, for the whole season, for the next game came around. So in terms of me, you know, going into those games, there was an extra out of uh, centre because most of my family would be Bowes fans as well. So going in and if you came away with the wrong result, uh, most of the family wouldn't be talking to me. <laughs> Derek, would you have that situation where uh, if you lost... Uh... The family wouldn't speak to you. I mean, you went between Rovers and Bowes as well, but I suppose you're more known for being a Bowes player because you played there for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, my first memory really was, 
or we used to go up to Talca Park and we used to bunk into Talca Park when we were kids and we used to go up and obviously watch a lot of Shells games and Tony Sheridan was a legend up there at that stage but we I remember one time we went up and it was a Bowes Rovers uh, game I'm not sure what year it was but um, we used to get in and we'd, we'd get in no problem when it was any Shells game or anything like that but this game we, we couldn't get in we were going what's going on we walked up thinking it was the same same kind of game it was no problem we'd get in no problem but we couldn't get in. The security was everywhere. Uh, we end up have we end up getting in eventually. One of the lads on the gate knew somebody, and he he let us in. We didn't have to go down to the canal and climb over the wall and climb in that way. But we got in that day, and Jesus, the atmosphere was it was different to what what I've seen. Yeah, we've been asking um, fans of Bohemians and uh, Shamrock Rovers on Twitter at off the ball for their most special memories of matches between the clubs. We got a tremendous response, we have to say. Here's a flavour of them. Uh, Jonathan Manley, uh, number one, the first derby in Tala, Twig, 88th, 89th minute double. Uh, number two, the Cup Semi 2019, most nervous ever being going to a game. And three, the 3-0 three on the Sunday after playing Juve on the Thursday. Uh, Francis O'Reilly, the game in Santry in January 2001, coming from 4-1 down at halftime to win 6-4. Second, the 4-0 win in 2012 because it was six months after we avoided going into liquidation and losing down Park and our existence as a football club. Uh, the former Bulls player Andy McNulty, I'm clearly biased with the 4-0 in 2012, very underappreciated with everything that went on the previous years with the makeshift squad, no offence put together, it was a miracle we stayed up, never mind picked up some decent results that season but as I said, biased. Paulie Hansen, two games to get for me, Bowes 1-0 up, then the King Gary Twig scored two late goals to make it 2-1 Rovers, another one Bowes scored in the 99th minute I believe up in Tallow a couple of years back. Mayhem on the pitch, outside the ground and on the Lewis going home. Owen, did you have to Control your emotions a bit more when you're playing in a Bowes Rovers game. No, no, it'll be all passion. You know, I, I remember the certain moments in games that stand out to me, and one of them, you know, was uh, Dave McCarthy's tackle on one of the Rovers lads in, in Daly Mount Park, where we won one nil, and he absolutely smashed one of the Rovers players. Now a fair tackle, but it set the tone for the whole game, and you can see that how a team rises, you know, from on the sense of one tackle being put in, and that's I probably know. Throughout his career, he's been putting in a few of those tackles to, to get teams going. But uh, I remember that Gary Twig moment as well, where he got the two goals right at the end. We were cruising that game, one nil up. Uh, we wore the, the pink jerseys as well, you know, over in Tallinn, obviously for the cancer research. And Twig scored in something like the 87th and 89th minute to win the game to one. So there is certain aspects of the game, but it never never changes how you prepare for it, how you go into it. It just means it's more intense um, with those with those Dublin derbies. And Derek, you scored against Rovers. You're not going to score that often from right back, but you did in 2014. Yeah, I, I remember it. Uh, Paddy Kavanagh uh, played it into me and I just I just smashed it. I got in. I, I think Barry Murphy in goal, I remember him after I beat him where he's near post. He probably should have saved it, but um, yeah, I was buzzing. And then we were winning 1-0 and then we gave away a penal and he missed the penal. I think it was Shane Robinson or uh, Ronan Finn probably missed the penal and uh, Shane Robinson followed up and scored. I was good. Tony, how does it compare playing in a uh, Bowes Rovers game to all the other matches you would have played? Uh, like, for example, you played against Zinedine Zidane on the same pitch when Bordeaux visited Dalyman Park in a European, I think it was a Cup Winners' Cup game in 19, early 1990s. Yeah, um, no, that was a great occasion. We actually, we were lucky enough to play against them twice or, or three times. We met them uh, in the UEFA Cup and we also played them in the Intertoto Cup. Um but um, but no, you can't separate that game. You know what I mean. Any player that's played 
in the Bowls Rovers games. You know, you have your week in, week out. You have to do your stuff and you prepare, as as Owen said, you prepare right for every game. But you knew at the start of the week for that game that there was an extra buzz around and everyone, it, it, it mattered an awful lot to the, to the supporters as well. Uh, the funny thing really uh, for me uh, was when I signed for um, for Rovers, I was training in Sports Co on the Monday night in, with Bohemians. And on the Tuesday, I got a phone call to say that they'd accepted an offer from Rovers um, for me to go and talk to them. So I ended up signing for Rovers on the Tuesday night. And on the Wednesday night, I was trying in sports go for Rovers. And I had to walk by uh, my old teammates to train on the pitch beside them. So that was quite unusual. Um, uh, so that was my, my start of my Rovers career. Yeah, we're chatting to Tony Cousins here, Owen Harry and Derek Pander on the Dublin Derby between Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians on this week's Saturday panel. Listeners, do you have any questions for the lads, fans of Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians? Do you have any good stories or favourite moments from supporting your club against your great rivals? Um, sport is at its most interesting at times when we hear war stories, lads. Um, I'm thinking of Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians. And the thing that obviously comes to my mind uh, as a neutral is that story about 2004 when a pig's head was thrown on the pitch. Um, and Pig's feet were thrown on the pitch when Tony Grant and James Keddy uh, uh, left uh, Rovers to, to go to Bowes. Um, there must be dressing room tales or things that happen on the pitch or mad stuff in a, in a, in a, in a Dublin derby like that, Owen, um, that you can, you can repeat on live radio? <laughs> well, probably not, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard off the bat to think of, of certain things that happen. There is moments in the game that stand out to me, like keep up, please go. You know, we cycle uh, so up to the match, end up scoring that. That, that evening and then got on his bike and cycled back down to the pub where he was walking as a lounge boy that night so there is stories like that that you, you know you, you look and you say you see young that's the first sort of Dublin derby proper Dublin derby at that with Rovers and Bowles and you know scoring uh, one of his first ever goals and then going off the walk so it's, it's a nice story I suppose for him but um, there is certain things that happen in the dressing room I suppose that you won't be able to mention and um, Otherwise, I'd be getting myself into trouble. <laughs> Hope it was a free bar, Owen. Derek, anything you can uh, you can you can tell us in uh, live on the air? <laughs> uh, it's tough when it's tough live on air to tell you uh, some of the stories. I suppose the, the biggest one was probably when um, when Luke Bourne left 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 Bowes and went to Rovers. The year after that, we played them in a game up in Daly Mount, and I think it was Stephen Beatty was playing right wing. Oh, you were, you were actually the manager at the stage. I think we probably. I think we beat yeah, them. Was, we beat yeah. them one 0 we, we drew one all with them. But Dave McCarty scored. Yes, was was it that one? One 0 um, Step up, yeah, set piece. Right. Um, yes, Luke Bourne. I like like I was I was close to the pig's head. I think and and stuff getting thrown at him on the pitch, but they were throwing money at him at this stage. But the money that would like he went down injured as well. I think beat he hit him in the tackle and he was down injured over at close to the Jody. And the amount of two euros and one euros that were what picked up that night uh, was madness. It was madness. But that was the atmosphere. That was the games. That what that's what drove you in the games to try and get the right result for your team at that time. Uh, we were speaking Tony last week about Liverpool and Man United on the show here, and we spoke about the word hate uh, in football. Um, is there a hate between Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers? 
Yeah, I think I think there is between there is between the supporters, but you know, I think the genuine supporters realise that the importance of the two clubs for each other. And I think um you know, I think it's fantastic at the moment with the two clubs going so well because you know, you go into the games, the build up during the week, there's there's an extra profile for the whole league when Bowes and Rovers are, are, are competing at the top. Um so I do think um, you know, one doing well and the other not, it it, it doesn't it doesn't help uh the clubs at all. I think they realise that by the two of them competing and doing well, it adds a, a, an extra spice. The gates are bigger, and it helps it helps both clubs. So, I do think the genuine supporter, you know, wants uh, they won't say they want the other club to win anything, but they they do want the competitive uh, bows and rovers yeah. because it adds to the whole league. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to take a break. Tony Cousins there, Owen Harry and Derek Pander about the Derby rivalry between our Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians. Listeners or viewers out there, any questions for our guests? 53106, the text number. You can reach us on Twitter, at Off The Ball. So much to talk about after two. Join us then. The Saturday panel on Off The Ball. This is Off The Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us 53106 or tweet us at Off The Ball. We're back with the Saturday panel talking about the Derby rivalry between the two great football clubs, Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians. We're delighted to have with us today Tony Cousins, who played for Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians, who's now the current under-17 coach in Tala. Derek Pander, who also played for both clubs and the former double-winning captain with Bose, Owen Harry. We're streaming the conversation as well. You can watch us on the social channels for Off The Ball, for Periscope on Twitter at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and we're streaming on the OTB Sports app. Uh, just some tweets and some text to get through. Uh, Alan Kenny, uh, 6-4 in Santry back in the day. Absolutely crazy game of football. This is in 2001. Had everything, the run and lunge that Sparky Mark Rutherford made to get to the end of the fifth goal was brilliant. Uh, Connor semi-final out in Daily Mount. After winning that, we knew we'd go on to win the final. 2-1 game in Tala with Twig scoring both led on. Sticks out two when thinking about derbies. Uh, Connor Murphy was only five or six to Santry, so didn't really appreciate it. The other standouts, obviously, Leahy scoring in the 99th minute. Also love when Callum scored the winner in 2008. Peter Clark, the last derby match at Milltown was a 3-2 thriller with Pat Byrne just brilliant in midfield. I think it was over 30 years ago now. I remember Tony training us in a guest appearance at under 12 for Priory Celtic Catala about 34 years ago when I was a kid. That is from Dave from Bancroft. Uh, uh, Cabo asked Tony about the three cup games in 94. Tony scored the winner in the second replay. Pack Dahlia. Yeah, the Rovers supporters won't be talking to me now when I talk about this one. Um, yeah, we went to two replays. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the second replay was in Daly Mount. Um, I think we, we'd, played, we'd played the first game in Daly Mount. I think the second one was in the RDS. And then we went back to Daly Mount again and uh, I think again, you know, because it was Bowes Rovers, the media attention that it that it drew, like Daily Mount was packed um for the replays and that was the great thing about you know, you're talking over ten thousand uh, at that time and uh so like the atmosphere was unbelievable and of course I I, I scored the goal in the game to 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 win it and uh, uh so the Rovers, uh, I'll be getting a bit of stick 
over the next few months off a couple of friends of mine. But you're a Rovers uh, man, Tony. Rovers supporters. You're, you're a man who went to Milltown when you were a young lad. Yeah, I supported Rovers as a boy. Um, um, I was playing for a home farm at the time, and uh, myself and uh, one of the players at the time, Jason Dempsey, his dad used to bring us up to up to Milltown uh, because they lived nearby a lot and uh, had the pleasure of watching the the four in a row team who, you know, played some brilliant football at the time and ha- had some unbelievable players. Like you talk about Pat Bourne, that was just unbelievable, you know. Um, when, uh, in a day as well that it was a lot of hard men. That's I would have played okay in the evening those days. <laughs> but uh, there was a lot of hard men in those days, but Pat was a pure footballer, could, could mix it as well. And like the referee a few games. <laughs> but um, no, uh, so yeah, so for me as well, like what Owen said, when I went to Rovers, um, it, it did mean a lot. And you kind of, you look at yourself when you play up front. I think for I think for any big club like Rovers and Bowes, history is fantastic. It, it's what makes the club, you know, people say, doesn't matter. Some people come in and say it doesn't matter about history, but well, history makes the club. It, it makes the club it, it's so big, um, and I think there's a cliche as well. There's no player bigger than the club because of that history, and uh, I think when you play, when you when you arrive at a big club like Rovers and Bowls, you always play in the shadow of the player that wore your jersey, because fans talk about compare you to who played in your position. And I think that's that sets you a standard that you have to try to reach. And, uh, you know, I think that's that's what a big club is all about as well. And, and for players that go to big clubs, being able to deal with the fact of going for a big club and being able to compete there. And Owen, in 2012, when you beat Rovers 4-0, that was a crucial time for Bohemians to get a win like that. Yeah, it was massive. You know, uh, on paper... We probably didn't have a team that people would have thought could compete against Rovers. I mean, uh, with a few lads who, you know, at the time we were struggling, we had Dwayne Wilson who absolutely ran the backboard of Rovers. Just, we were just having an issue there with uh, your line on at the moment. I um, apologise to the listeners for that, but we'll get you back. Uh, just a text in here in 53106. I was at Bowsey Rovers in Milltown in September 1978. In first year in De La Salle, Churchtown, and most of the lads supported Rovers, the local club. I supported Ro- Bowes and suffered for it. Anyway, during the game, some of the Rovers fans came up to me and confiscated my black and red flag, but the great Tommy Kelly got a late winner for Bowes. As I was leaving the ground a few second years from school, saw me and chatted from a distance. Coogan, you're dead. I was running all the way back to Churchtown looking over my shoulder. That is from Dermot Coogan in Dublin 18. 40 years ago, 42 years ago, uh, Dermot Coogan. So fair play for you for texting in there. Um, uh, what does the panel think about derbies behind closed doors as we had uh, last year or this year? Are they the same? That is from Keen. Must be strange, Derek, for uh, Bows and Rovers matches to, to not have any fans because the fans are the lifeblood of these games. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. 100%. Um it's not the same. It'll never be the same. You can say it's it still drives them, but it's the fans really and the energy that they bring and the hatred that in the, the hatred of that atmosphere of playing in it. 
between the both our uh, both sets of fans is 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 what makes the games. I think you know the lead up, like Tony says, the week of a derby, you get told everything. Like I walk in a bank and I I wouldn't hear it off anybody. I didn't even know there was Bowes or Rovers fans in the bank. But then once once it was a derby week, I'd be getting messages and emails from all sorts of randoms, getting abused. Then getting I better win the usual or we better you know you'd be going into the game thinking about work really on Monday about what people were going to say to you as well but I was at the game last year the first game of the season obviously and it was packed sold out nobody could get tickets for it it was great the atmosphere was brilliant obviously the result wasn't that great but then the game then they played in Tala with no fans it just wasn't the same it was echoey it just it just didn't feel right it doesn't feel real Is it on the right side of the edge Derek? I think so yeah I think so it definitely is like obviously there does be patches and trouble here and there with certain Certain, certain sides, but um, I think most of the time it's it's on the right side of the edge, the games, and then the players themselves. So I don't think there'll just be many sending offs in the games. Like Tony asked me there just off air, was I sent off in the derby? I don't think I have been, and I don't think there'll just be many sending offs games because the players are, and in fairness, the referees understand the, the the game themselves, and they know there's going to be challenges. Now it's it's wholehearted, and that's the way they should be played. So that must be bizarre the first time that you experienced that going back into work on the Monday going. Uh... Who who here is a is a Rovers fan, or even if you uh, if we were at Rovers at the time, who's here is a Bose fan? And like, <laughs> it sounds a bit like yeah. Glasgow. It sounds like a bit like Celtic and Rangers. You walk in honestly, and you go into the canteen, and I just know I'm getting the daggers off everybody. Or, <laughs> you know, and there's people looking at me, and I'm looking back and going, "What's going on here?" And then you go back, and we have obviously an instant message in walk and emails, and everybody can just type your name in and get it, and then you just you're just getting abused most of the time, you know, but. In fairness, the last couple of years, it hasn't been too bad. The results have been okay. So um, it's great. It's good banter, and that's what the games are about, really. Oh, and uh, Rovers pipped you for the title in 2010. Uh, did you get much stick at the time? Yeah, of course. Um, a lot of stick, obviously. But when you're in Cabri, you don't get off those fans. It's more uh, you see a few Rovers fans around town or anywhere, a few Rovers fans that be texting you. But them. Um, I'd want to check that stat as though Derek Pender not getting sent off in a Bowles and Rovers game. It'd be very unlike him not to be sent off. Um, I, 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 I don't, I've only been sent off five times in my whole career. I'd say you've been they were in, and more they than they were in China. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, going back to the, the Rovers and, and Bowles game where we won 4 0, I'd saying that we probably didn't have the, the team on paper that people thought would get a result against Rovers. And Dwayne Wilson up front ran the whole back for Rovers ragged that day. Peter McMahon getting two and, and Caramel getting two. And it, it, you know, it was a great evening, great occasion. And what a result for, for both then, you know, because it helps us. As Tony said earlier, when you get a result like that, it helps you push on in the league and, and manage to get other results. And at the time, we were struggling. And I said, we, uh, we got the three points that game and then took us on a little bit further. Oh, we, know. we we beat well, them. Do you remember the, remember later on that season we beat them as well up in Tala one nil on Kevin Devaney. Kevin Devaney scored, yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, that was the first time that we we won in Tala. Yeah, and uh, that was uh, I played centre midfield with Davy Moore, remember, and uh, Wardy played in the ten. And then forget that we were like we were struggling obviously at that stage, and that was obviously a big change around in the club in the that that two thousand and twelve. But them results obviously were brilliant that year for us, but. Um, I'll never forget that up in Tallow was the abuse after the game. I remember the Rovers fans going absolutely mental down at the dugout. They were going after the, the Rovers players. And I think it was Stephen Kenny that actually was in charge that yeah, year, wasn't he? Yeah, Stephen. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, but like Derry said, you know, we have, you've gone, the Bowles and Rovers games, Rovers probably have a stronger team and Bowles could get a result. Bowles could have a stronger team and Rovers can get a result. And the sort of form goes out the window. It's whoever on the day, you know, steps up to the challenge. And obviously you need a bit of luck in, the, in those games as well. But like I said, the first tackle always sets a tone in those games. And, you know, as I said, Dave McCarty's one where he smashed one of the, the Rovers players. And then I remember... Uh, one where Luke Bourne playing for Rovers done the exact same thing and Rovers went on and won it. So the intensity in them is massive, absolutely massive. And Tony, um, uh, you're now based at Rovers. They're league champions under under Stephen Bradley. Exciting times. And just uh, the, the news kind of broke during the week about Kevin Zeffi going potentially to Inter Milan. How good is he, Tony? He's he's a really good player, Kevin. Um Real natural ability, you know, what we were talking about earlier, you know, street players. Kevin's would remind you of a street player, you know, uh, goes by 1v1, can go by people. And I think any player, you know, that can go by people, it, it, it excites you. And um, he, he also, he's a good kid as well, you know, he, he, he works on his game and, you know, he's played for... He's played for the the seventeens, uh, the 19s and the B team this year, and you know there's there's no complaints, no matter what team he's playing in, and he's 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 adapted himself really well, and you know to be so young to to play in the B league in the first division as well, um, shows his ability, um, but obviously you know he's a, he's a still very young and. You don't want to put too much pressure on him either. It's he's a he's a long way to go, um. But uh, you know, it'll be a tremendous opportunity for him to go to Italy, and I think you know it'll be exciting to see him going to Italy as well. You know that'll be different for our players. I think it could happen over the next next uh, while that um some of our players will start going to places in Europe, maybe instead of England with the with Brexit now, that they can't go away till they're eighteen. So I, I, I do think there, there will be an interest uh, in clubs in Europe, um, in, in our younger players now, a bigger interest than there was before. And Tony, your experiences at Chelsea and Liverpool when you were a youth at Chelsea, and then you went back after you played for Dundalk. You went to, to play with Liverpool, and um, obviously it wasn't a first team experience, but you were you were there thereabouts, and you had a lot of injuries. Do these experiences help you when you're coaching young lads about just keeping them grounded about the whole idea of making it in the game? Yeah, you, you try your best, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's like anything. I, 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 I try. You try to help anybody that wants help, you know. If anybody wants to listen, you, you give them what you, you, you tell them what you feel and, and you, you, try, you try help them as much as you can. Um, and the sort that over the years that there's some players that might want to listen to you, and uh, at the end of the day, that's that's up to them. Um, but definitely your experiences over the years, and you're always learning. Like even myself, you know, at the at this stage, I went into Rovers two seasons ago, back into the academy after being managing senior players. You know, I I've managed over two hundred league games at senior level and, and to drop down, you know, uh, it was a culture shock for me at first. Um, it's totally different. You're dealing with parents rather than just dealing with the players themselves. And, uh, you know, when you're senior manager, you're over everything at the club and 
you know, something, uh, someone uh, that you feel you don't want at the club, as a senior manager, you can make that decision. Where it's a bigger, it's a bigger decision from everybody at an academy. Um, so you know, it has been, it has been different, and something that uh, for me to get used to. But you know, it is, it is tremendous that we have these academies now, and you know that. Uh, we we can we can bring our own players through, you know what I mean, and and, and uh, for them to to strive to play in our force team, and you know as I said earlier on with Brexit now as well, you're kind of hopeful that some of the better players won't be gone away, and we'll start reaching the force teams b- between 17 and 18, that they could make an impact here or there in in the force teams earlier. Yeah. Um, if you look at some of the younger players that have gone away, some of them have played in England in the first teams, like Robbie Kane and all at 18, 17, 18. There's no reason why if 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 those top players don't go away that they can't play in our first teams uh, at that age. Uh, 53106, uh, listening to this talk makes me long for the night we can return to live football under the Friday Night Lights. That is from Mick, a Rover supporters. Uh, in Roscommon. Yeah, thanks for your text, Mick. Anybody else wants to get in on the chat here? Uh, Owen Heary, like, uh, you've also coached, and you have as well, Derek Pender, uh, at underage level. The link, Derek, between the FEI and these League of Ireland uh, sides now is academies, de facto academies. Is it working? Are we getting a good crop of young players coming through Irish football, in your view? Yeah, well, look, I've only been in a year. And yeah. like, like what Tony says, it's a, it is a bit of a culture shock when you're stepping down from senior level into the academies and there's a lot of people who do a lot of lot of great work that goes that people don't see behind the scenes in the academies. They put a lot of time in, a lot of a lot of effort and off their own back, really. You know, it's 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 unbelievable. Is the FEI and the at the link? I I think it can obviously it can always get better, can't it? Everything yeah. that we do, we can we can try and get better. And I think that's what we need to try like try and do and strive to do as we go along, especially in this lockdown now. It was last year the kids were hit and it was it's that's what yeah we forget about the kids as well with football everything they center themselves around is to play football and it was taken away from them last year they didn't get to play many games it's a year their development gone so this year i think it's incredibly important that uh we try and get them out and get them as many training sessions and football matches as possible as possibly we can and that's where the league or the clubs and the feo have to come together and try and get that get that done and hopefully get a money money for it as well, um, uh, Owen. What is the health in your view of the League of Ireland right now as a product? Well, at the, at the moment it's difficult to say because of you know with, with fans not being at the game yeah. for the whole season, it's got it's costing clubs. And you know if you look at the amount of academy teams as well that aren't playing, as Derek said, you know for mental health, it's it's massive that they need to be back playing. They need to be out there with their friends. They need to be getting coached by their coaches. They said it's a, it's a year now without without proper coaching, but it's also a year without them mixing with other kids. It's also you know they're out of school, so it's difficult to say what sort of um, situation that the, the clubs are find themselves in and how do you, how do you bounce back from it? When do crowds come back? When are we able to get uh, schoolboy football? Whether we able to get football in general back to its to our normality? And I think it's it's quite a difficult one to to answer. But now is the time I think where people should put their heads together and come up with a plan on how to develop the league and how to bring it forward. You know, why nothing is happening now at the moment is to sit down or be on Skype calls and, and try to organise to make the league much better going forward. 
Yeah, and the Brexit thing, as Tony says there, is very important because young lads won't be able to go until like they're 18 unless they change the rule. Uh, the pandemic, uh, as you said, they're allowing us the chance, Owen, to reset, to completely reimagine how we do things post the COVID situation. Um, we've seen that in the GA with the club and the county now being split. Uh, we're talking today on Skype. Um, it's not ideal. You're not in the studio. <laughs> it is a bit remote. Um, you can have technical issues. Uh, what would you like to see? Obviously, I think one thing, big thing, Owen, is infrastructure, that we want better infrastructure around the country when it comes to the League of Ireland grounds and having an experience for the supporters and getting these players known in their communities. Yeah, well, I think that's gone back over since I played. You know, I started back in 1993 and we've been talking about the infrastructure. We've been talking about improving the ground, the playing surfaces, training surfaces, you know, and still in 20, 30 years, it hasn't developed that much. Yes, there has been clubs that are putting money in, like Shamrock Rovers in the clubhouse, building a great stadium, also having um, good training grounds. But there's still a lot of clubs that need to catch up, and you know they need help from the FEI. And as I said, now is the time that I think that it should be sitting down because we don't want to wait till eight months down the line. Football is back, crowds are back in, and then we're sitting there thinking, oh, maybe we should have improved this and should improved that for the fans. Now is the time as well to get information from the fans and how they see. How the, uh, how the league will be improved and get all the information that we can now and, and hopefully have the, the right people put in place to, to push it forward for us. Uh, Tony, Jack Byrne of, of Shamrock Rovers, before he went to Cyprus, was the first player to play a competitive uh, match from the League of Ireland for the national team in 35 years since the glory days of Rovers when you're speaking about the triple-double. Um, can you see a time when League of Ireland players will regularly play for the national team? Is that Or is that a pipe dream? I think at the moment it's it's difficult. Um, in fairness, last year it was great that a few of the players were involved in the international squad. And obviously with Jack playing, you know, even for the games, you're going up on a Friday night and you, you've got a present international out on the pitch. It, it, it does raise the profile of the league. But, you know, what Owen said there about, about the same things, talking about the same things, like... You're going back, I'm going back on my whole career and the same things are being spoken about now. You know, we're still in a league with no TV rights. Um, we're, I, I think we're one of the only leagues in Europe that the clubs are getting no money coming in through TV rights. And at the end of the day, the, you, you need to get, you need to be, to get money coming in uh, through streamlines like TV rights to be able to compete and go professional um, until like, we have a complete professional league. I can't see us getting regular players uh, in the international teams. We, we will get the odd player like Jack playing. But until the whole league is professional, like at the moment, we've got a Premier League with some teams professional and some teams semi-professional. Uh, that's not knocking the teams that are semi-professional. They're making a massive uh, commitment in their training, the players, um, you know, I think uh, we, we hear about the GEA players and they're fantastic and the commitment they make, but, you know, a semi-professional player in the League of Ireland at the moment, the commitment that he's making to try to be as fit as, as a full-time player is massive. And, uh, but, you know, we need help. Uh, it's no point in saying, you know, you're looking at grounds and that around the country uh, we know the situation the FEI are in, but we need help from the government and we need help that it goes directly into funds for ground improvements 
or training, training ground improvements around the lake. Um, and that it's it, it goes straight into that fund. Um, I think if you look, Loud GEA announced a 12 million new stadium um, the other day. And they're talking about having to raise a third of that themselves. And they'll get a third from the GEA and then a third of it from the government. That's four million they'll get from the government. We've got Dundalk Football Club who, you know, have been uh, the top club, um, a successful club in the last few years. And... Uh, they're still playing in the st- in, in 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 Oriel Park, and it hasn't really changed since I played there. And I think you know, four million to help develop that ground will come in ha- handy. Uh, so I do feel that you know we need the government on board as well to develop the grounds and the training grounds, and uh, and and for us to get behind us. Yeah, a lovely text in here. Thanks for that, Tony, on 53106, mid-70s. 16-year-old me went for a job interview. So what are your interests, I was asked. The boss asked me. I support the bows, I said. The bows, yeah, bows up in Denny Mount. Are they good, he asked. Any good? They're brilliant. And I proceeded to tell the poor unfortunate about every member of the bow squad. I finished the interview by telling them he should go up and watch bows sometime. I will, he promised. A week later, I was told I got the job and I discovered that the man interviewing me was on the board of management at Denny Mount. That was from Aiden. Uh, that was Aiden Jones was the man at the board of management. That uh, is from Kieran in Dublin. He says, "God bless him." Lovely text on five three one zero six from Kieran. Listening to our Bows and Rovers chat, we're coming to the end of it. Uh, Owen Heary, I'm just interested. You won seven league titles in the League of Ireland. Are you more interested and engaged about the fact that you have a League of Ireland man, Stephen Kenny, as the national team manager and how he's getting getting on and how he's going to going to do and and, and invested in uh, support and how he does. Yeah, I think, look, Stephen has done very well in the league here, you know, and probably deserves a, a chance of managing the international team. Um, I'd like to see Mick finish out, you know, the playoff game and then let Stephen take over and give him a free reign of it. Um, I think he was put under pressure to win the, the playoff game straight away. And, you know, obviously we, we got beaten in that. And then results haven't been great for him since then. But I think he needs time. I think he needs to get his own stamp on it, get his the right players in, have the strongest squad he can possibly have and the strongest team out on the out on the pitch. But um there's no I know that a lot of people are judging him already on, on results. But I think he, he needs a lot more time and uh, he just as I said, the next the next couple of games, if we can get a, a foothold in them and get a few uh, few wins and score a couple of goals, you know, people then will will judge him on how we how we go forward into tournaments. And Derek, would you be of a similar view that Stephen needs a a bit of a break, a bit more time to, to, to kind of get a stamp on the Republic of Ireland team and a full campaign. I think so, yeah. I think definitely give him a full co- campaign. It's like what Owen says. He's put on a straightaway pressure to go and try and win the playoff games. Comes in, and especially with the situation last year. Players pulling out all the time. The the situation the war was in, everything. I don't think he, he had a proper a proper crack at it with proper sessions or the proper camp where he, everybody was together and he had all his best players together. So... Hopefully, going forward this year and and in the qualification for the World Cup, obviously gets gets everybody fit and all the players available to him, and he gets a good shot at it. What's the hopes for the new season, uh, Derek? With Bohemians, do you think uh, you can challenge for the title? Oh, so I think I think he just just will be trying to obviously be trying to build on every year that they've been playing. And last year they finished second. It was a great year for them, especially 
with everything that was going on. So hopefully we get a full season this year for everybody, really, for the fans as well, that and all, all clubs that the season goes ahead and there's no breaks and we get as many games as possible in and it's a good competitive year. Um, and Bowles obviously hopefully stay up that end of the table and qualify for Europe again next year, I'm sure. And Tony, uh, the hope is to go back to back and maybe make an impact in Europe with Chamber Grovers. Yeah, definitely. I think Stephen's done a great job. And it, it kind of gets back to as well what the, you're talking there about Stephen Kenny. You know, if you look at Brad's, um, you know, he was under a little bit of pressure at times in, in the start of his career. But because the board stuck with him and gave him the time, it's give, he, he, he was able to put his stamp on the team and I think, you know, everybody looks when you're successful and say, oh, you've done a great job. But I think he had a way he wanted to play. And uh, he he stuck to his guns on that. And he didn't go away from it. Even when the results early on in his, his management career up there wasn't going from, he stuck with his principles and his belief of the way he wanted the team to play. And, you know, really it's been a pleasure the last few years to go up and see the team the way they play, uh, play um, the game, and the, the entertainment that they're giving the supporters, and and when you're winning on the back of that as well, it, it is fantastic. But um, I think the way it is, we've signed well again this year. The squad is very strong, and um, they've built up a great, there's a great group of players there. Not just the, uh, the ability of them, but the way they carry themselves. Um, I think is a big thing as well, and I think the management, uh, um, Steve McPhail and Glenn Crownan as well behind the scenes, uh, uh, involved. You know, they keep the players grounded, and you know the players um, really conduct themselves okay. uh, really well around the play, around in, in things that they do off the pitch as well. And I think they're they're hungry as well. If you talk to any of them, they're hungry for more success and. You know, even the little experienced players we brought in, like Joey O'Brien has been a re- revelation for us. Just, you know, in the dressing room, you know, the experience that he has. And, you know, and he's such a nice fella, Joey. And he's been up in the academy as well. He's been a big help for everybody. There's no problem talking to him, picking his brain. And, uh, you know, he's been brilliant uh uh, for the for the whole club in relation to the first team and yeah. uh, and getting involved in the academy as well and you know I really feel we can push on again this year and I'm actually looking forward to seeing how they can do in Europe okay. because of the style that they play with. Tony Cousins, I'm very sorry we got to leave it there. Uh, thanks so much for your time, for your time as well, Owen Harry, and for your time, Derek Pander. It's been such a great, good-natured discussion between Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers. We'd expect nothing less from uh, three legends here on the Saturday panel. Take care, lads, and hope uh, we'll uh, get some football back soon. Cheers. Okay. This is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. We're back after this. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball.